This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions, www.vtwproductions.com. Hi, folks. This is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at vtwproductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court, your three-hour break from Internet porn. We are proud to welcome to the stage an actor who you know from Tron, from Babylon 5, from spots on Heroes and Chuck, many others. Recently, he reprised his role as Alan Bradley in Tron Legacy. So we'll get to talk about his career and hear what he's got coming up next. Welcome, Bruce Boxleitner. That's you. Hello. Oh, good morning. Oh. So we'll talk for just a couple of minutes. We have sure. this mic uh, on here that is ready to go. If you guys have questions, feel free to go ahead and start lining up now, because uh, then it won't be long. We'll just throw it out to you, and we'll let you guys ask uh, ask what you'd like for uh, for Bruce. Oh, by the way, um, I don't charge for hugs. <laughs> Somebody was using my name to <clears throat> make a little money for himself. Um, that guy left. I, I don't know where he went. Um, <laughs> so uh, ah. just a quick question about some new yes, stuff sir. you're working on now. You're, you're doing some voice work for Tron Uprising? Tron Uprising coming, uh, coming out next year. Um, Elijah Wood, Lance Hendrickson, uh, huge cast, and um, it's really cool looking. Uh, if you like Tron Legacy... Uh, it takes place somewhere before that story, down in the Tron world, and um, it's, uh, I think it's a, they've got a really new, good angle on it, and Elijah's terrific, and uh, it's going to be on Disney XD, so uh, be looking for that. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we were, I just finished, uh, what is it, the seventh episode uh, a couple weeks ago, so we're going faster than the animators can move, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got, I think, 26, I think. So. Okay. Uh, any, anything else you want to mention before we toss out to the, uh, the audience? No, I mean, I'm amazed at this huge place. Uh, <laughs> and the temperature here. Holy <laughs> God. Is this Bahrain? What the hell is this? I mean, where... <laughs> it's, yes, I've heard dry heat. That's why I feel more like a prune today. Uh, Anyway, no, I'd actually, I don't have a heck of a lot to talk about. Um, you know, uh, there was this huge build-up to Tron Legacy, which was, which was very exciting for all of us involved. And uh, it's like so typical, you, you're, you know, you're so anxious for it to open, it opens, 
does what it does, and it's gone. And then uh, they were quick to get the DVDs out, which was good. But um, um, I mean, I have no new announcements so far as a future one. All I know is that the scripts, uh, the script has and is being written and worked on right now. And uh, Joe Kaczynski, who is um, contracted, the, who directed Legacy, contracted to do the next one. And he's doing right now, um, I think he's in prep for another film called Oblivion. And uh, I think after that, I think probably maybe by next summer, who knows. But anything can happen, you know. Um, I think it's logical that they would go with another one. So hopefully. Anyway. Um, but that's it. I mean, um, it's wonderful for all of you to turn out this early in the morning or maybe it's not that early in the morning. I don't know. What, um, <laughs> I was in a local Irish pub last night. Um, <laughs> just around the corner. I forget what Macalini. No, was that it? There you go. I don't go to a pub to memorize the name, you know. I mean, anyway, had a great time there. And uh, Phoenix looks fun. It really does. So I haven't been here in probably 30 years. Oh, I've been to Sedona. I've been to Sedona. I used to shoot uh, Kenny Rogers and the Gambler movies down there. So back in my Wild West days. So. Huh? Tucson. Old Tucson. That was home away from home in the 70s, I'll tell you, for me. So um, anyway, so it's so good to see you all. And why don't we just get to the questions? I do better that way. Okay, <laughs> let's go and start in. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah. Hi, first, yeah. thank you for coming here. My pleasure, believe me. I was wondering if I can actually ask my question to Alan Bradley. What? <laughs> Who? Alan Bradley. I left him at home. <laughs> Alan Bradley, I don't know. What? Yes, go on. So it's okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. When I hear the question, we'll decide that, okay? <laughs> so, Mr. Bradley, now that Sam Flynn has returned to NCOM, what conflicts do you see between him and the son of your previous rival, Edward Dillinger Jr.? You'll have to wait till Tron 3. <laughs> I, let me just say, Killian Murphy doesn't do uncredited uh, cameo roles, you know? So I, if you didn't catch that little foreshadowing, um, you know, I mean, he's definitely uh, in the future um, film. So, and I think his daddy, the, the character he's playing, um, his father, I think it should be getting out of prison about that time, uh, Ed Dillinger Sr. And I know David Warner was lobbying hard to be in this movie um, in the last film, but uh, I think you never know. All right, he you. may show up again. So thank you. Hello. Hi, my name is uh, Jeremy, and um, uh, again, I would like to thank you for coming to Phoenix Comic Con this year. Thank you. Um, my question is, while you were making the original Tron, did you ever think... <coughs> Excuse me, that was a Tron sneeze. Yes. <laughs> yes? Did you ever think that Tron would ever become such a worldwide phenomenon also to spawn a sequel um, many years later? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, no. I had no idea. Uh, no, we didn't. Um, what am I sneezing? Oh! Bless you. Bless you. Wow. <laughs> no. Ragweed? Oh, yeah. Let me answer that question. Um, 
Uh, you know, you, you do a job at the time. In fact, I was on outside of Old Tucson when I got this script from my agent, this thing called Tron, and I was doing a Western and for NBC. And uh, I was sitting out on a horse, and I had the script in the saddlebag, and in between shots, we're sitting out there in the heat, and I'm in black coat, black hat, and like absorbing everything, you know, the sun. And I'm reading this thing. I'm going, Tron, Cram, Rum. the hell is this you know <laughs> and uh you know it wasn't until i got back to hollywood um and i i, I more or less was going to say you know let's pass on this i don't know what but he said it's a disney feature and i went yeah you're right you're right but i don't understand it i don't know what okay it's kind of like it's kind of like star wars but maybe it's not <laughs> because it's like in a game Okay, okay, I see Spartacus, I get it. Okay, it's kind of like a gladiators in a game, and then I see this, and then with arcade and all that, and I'm going, wow. Uh, okay, but then I found out Jeff Bridges, who was um, a, you know, a peer, a contemporary, and always admired all of his work that I'd been following. And so I said, oh my God, he's, he's attached to it, okay. And um, so I, uh, I met at Disney, and they, were, they wanted me, and so I... Uh, I said, okay, let's put on the tights. And, uh, and I couldn't put them on anymore, I guarantee you. Thank God. I, thank God I didn't have to wear that suit. You know that suit they wore in Legacy? They were, they were constantly getting shocked in it. You know, they'd start sweating inside the thing, and the thing with circuits would say, because this one had electricity running through it, you know, and they had to go plug them in when they, when, when they were, um, they, everybody, all the lights went off. They took all the lights off to save the the electrical work. And then uh, the first AD, when they were ready to roll again, he'd go, all right, light them up. And you know that uh, scene where he had all those extras and at the, what is it, um, end of line club. Thank you. <clears throat> As usual, you guys know more about it than I do. <laughs> and, and that was it. Uh, you know, they lit up, like, it looked like a, a birthday cake going up or something, you know. But, um, Anyway, to answer your question, no, there's not, you, you do a job and you never think, you know, it's going to go anywhere other than that, especially feature film. Um, and especially in 1982, uh, Tron came out to fairly lukewarm reviews, in fact, some downright mean ones, and because um, they didn't know what they were looking at, and uh, the kids got it. I always say that the kids who were putting quarters in those arcade machines, who are a lot of you older people are them. <laughs> Were them. Thank you. And thank you for all those quarters. And I'll be down in the hall over there collecting more quarters today. Um, anyway, uh, you know, they, they got it. And I think the, uh, the establishment of Hollywood is, you know, uh, I wouldn't say Disney because they had the foresight to do the thing. They had the, the vision. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I know. I would have never thought there would have been a, a sequel. It was rumored for years. And I thought, well, maybe like 10 years. You know, we didn't get into this um, sequelitis that Hollywood got into probably till the late 80s. So we were a bit before that time, you know, where you had diehards and you had, I mean, everything went to one, two, three, and four. And now the last uh, Johnny Depp movie. I think they've milked that cow dry. I really do. I really do. I'd step away from Pirates of the Caribbean now and let it just be a ride, you know? Uh, I saw the last one and... Um, it's, um, when in doubt, have another sword fight. <laughs> it was every other movie, all in one, two hours and 15 minutes. Um, anyway, 
I love those movies, but I think this one, I started to go to sleep. That's not hard. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I was so surprised when I got the phone call that they wanted me to be a part of uh, Tron Legacy. I mean, uh, I saw the YouTube, um, uh, the little piece from Comic-Con in, uh, what was it, in 08, 09, whatever it was. Uh, and I said, my God, this is a reality. But they're never going to use me. Why would they want me? I mean, they're going to, it's, it's all, I understand Jeff, yes. I understand that. <laughs> but that's not the way Hollywood thinks. And I, I want to, you know, I give a big thank you to Jeff, who said the very same thing. But we have to have Tron. Now, we could have just done the young, the flashback sequences that they wanted to do. They, there were so many versions of this thing, obviously. Every film has that. But um, uh, I think he, uh, he really uh, pulled hard for me, and I'm so happy you know, and thankful that he did. Um, you know, in my limited little capacity in the film, I was part of this, the, 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 you know, the segue to the past, started to help everybody catch up to the story there. And um, so, I, you know, I get complaints. You weren't in it enough. Well, you know, I was in it enough, believe me. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I was, today you're very thankful to get anything. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, but I'm so glad you all responded to the movies. I mean, I, I think, there's, like I said before, there's going to be another one, I think, somewhere down the line. Generally, it's like a year or two in between these things. And um, because Disney's made such a huge um, investment um, which I don't think they've made all the money back on that. I mean, it, it's a business, folks. It's not show art, it's show business. And, uh, you know, so I, I think they have to. I know, uh, Jeff, I just found out Jeff is also signed for the next one, and Garrett and Olivia are. I'm, I have nothing contractually, so they can use me or not use me. Um, but I, th I th huh? I agree. Uh, <laughs> No, I have no idea. You know, that, that comes down to, that's about the bean counters all sitting there going, do we want to, you know. It's, it's all about, it's the business side of it, which is so distasteful. But um, I think it will. I mean, you know, Batman always needed Alfred. Just think about that. And we've created a young hero character, Sam Flynn. And um, he always needs his old trusty advisor to remind him who he is, where he came from, and what he's all about, and what he's doing. So... Um, Anyway, I'm rambling. All it's right. early in the morning. Okay. Uh, well, thank you again, and um, thank you for your contribution to pop culture. Um, and uh, have fun at the con. I am. I'm wearing my um, I'm wearing my original Tron crew T-shirt. Even have my disc on the back here. So um, be careful. I still have a few moves. You know what I mean? So <laughs> next, next one. Only nice questions. He's, he's serious. Yes. First off, I'd like to thank you on behalf of all of us for all the years of entertainment that you've brought all of us from Tron to Scarecrow, Mrs. King, Babylon thank 5. Thank you. Thank you. And my question is about Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. During your four years and you're sitting there and you're reading the scripts, was there one line that just caught you from any character <laughs> that just, it, you carry it with you to this day. It was like that poignant, that profound, even that funny, that it just, 
you always have that memory of that line and from that episode. Mm -hmm. Now get the hell out of my galaxy. (laughs) 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 Or something to that effect. Today it would be my universe. So anyway, uh, now, you know, there were so many great lines in Babylon 5. JMS was such a wonderful writer. Uh, Still the best material I ever got to work with. I I still say that, Tron, all of them, you know. um, It it was an absolute honor to do that show. And that one, too, I I walked in. There was uh, something going on there with Warner Brothers, and they wanted to replace Michael. And that, you know, that was controversial with the fan base. And um, I had worked with Doug Netter, executive producer on a Western, years earlier with Sam Elliott. And um, so, you know, it went through a few people. But just at that time, I was in sort of a a trough in my career. And and that happens for every actor. You go up, you go down. And um, I saw this. It answered a lot of things for me. And that show... I loved every minute of it. I really did. I wanted to, like I said, if they didn't want to end this thing and went on for 10 years, if it could, I would have stayed till the last. And um, frankly, was very angry when I left. I was very angry. I made it very, very plain to them. I said, you know, you're going to do a spinoff on TNT and um, none of us are going to be in it. And they wanted a whole new cast. And I think it was a big mistake. I, I will to this day, and I don't care what anybody says, uh, uh, Crusade was a huge error, and it bombed in 13 episodes. And um, it could have, they could have kept going. I know we had a five-year saga. We've got all of that. Yes, yes. But you know what? JMS, you could have sat at home and collected the checks. You know what I mean? They could have found, we could have gone somewhere else with it. But, there, you know, it, um, it, I, the only thing I regret about Babylon 5 is it kind of ended on a sour note for everybody, um, for the regulars who had been taken so much of their lives in that thing. and Because uh, everyone genuinely loved it. And speaking of that, I want to... Um, yesterday, we lost one of our cast members. Jeff Conaway died yesterday. Um, I didn't know if you knew. He'd been in a coma for the last couple of weeks. Um, Jeff was a great guy. He was a, a professional. He uh, played Zach... He, was, he created a wonderful character. He had struggled with uh, pain medications, alcohol and, and um, drugs. And he had a tough time with it, but we never saw it on the set. Never saw anything like that. It actually was such a shock when I later, years later, saw him on um, uh, Celebrity Rehab, Dr. Pinsky's uh, show. And it was like it was like a train wreck. He couldn't turn away. I had to, I, I said, "Is this the guy I knew? I worked for three years with him. I think he was on three years of it, and uh, or two, and um, never saw this. And it was just so tragic to watch. And he was just spiraling down and down and down. And then he walked off that show, rolled out of that show. By that time, he was in a wheelchair. And he and I are the same age. We were the same age. So I, I mean, I kept going. This is just ugh, horrible." And various people tried to reach out to him, and, and it, um, there was no response. So, anyway, he passed away yesterday. They pulled the plug on him the night before. And uh, he was a good guy. That's all I can say. He was a good guy, and I'm so sorry for him.
And by the way, that's the uh, fourth member of that cast that's gone now. We've had Richard Biggs, Andreas Katsoulis, Tim Schote, who played Zothras, that wonderful character in the two-parter that we had. He was killed in a car accident. And now Jeff. So um, just want you to know I'm not planning on going anywhere. I'm too damn mean to die. So now. And I will go kicking and screaming, don't you worry. So anyway, uh, but enough about that. This is a bright Saturday morning. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Next question, please. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Um, <clears throat> what was your favorite episode of Babylon 5? Wow, I've never heard that question before. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, the, the, my favorite part of the saga, because I can't really narrow it down to one favorite. I, I think for me as an actor, one of the, the challenging one was intersections in real time. That whole sequence where I was being held prisoner by the Inquis Inquisitor or whatever the hell he was called. The, the Inquisition that Sheridan was going through. Because uh, it was just two of us, you know, in this bare floored room. And that was some challenging material. But I think the Shadow War stories, scripts, leading up into the end of that, I think that was really the highlight of the entire saga. I think, uh, what was that, most of the third season, I believe. And when I jumped into the hole, and that was it, and looked like, a, you know, I had the solution for the ex-wife, didn't I? <laughs> Drop an atom bomb on her. Um, and, then, and then jump into the hole. And how prophetic that has become. Um, <laughs> whew! Life has its turns. Anyway... Um, I think that was the, the sequences. I mean, that was, am I still on? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Melissa. Um, anyway, um, yeah, that was, I think those were my favorite. Because Sheridan really rose to the, to the challenge in that, you know. And uh, actually, I would have preferred a different ending in those stories. <laughs> I was John Newcomb Sheridan, remember. I mean, but... Um, you know, Joe always had one surprise after another. I, I never tried to look at any of the scripts too far ahead because I wanted to treat it as the way Sheridan would treat it, and th that it was coming at him, it was fresh, you know, and uh, uh, I was never let down. You know, he's such a good writer. Does that answer anything? Yeah. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Next question. May I address you as isolated thinker? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, <easy>. yes. Because <laughs> he had a huge uh, alternative reality game, Flynn Lives. What was your favorite part of participating in that whole reality game? The night in the Embarcadero in San Francisco, um, on, on, on this huge neon lit stage, the wind is blowing, it's sleeting, and they've got all these extras and, and uh, fans out there that they had rounded up. And uh, we were up in the hotel just above the, the Embarcadero there. We had never rehearsed it. There was no way to rehearse it. It was out in the public. We couldn't, we couldn't because, you know, iPhones would be out and everything and taking pictures. So it would have been blown because it was supposed to go live when we did it online and everything. And um, um, that was, it was like flying by the seat of our pants. It was, I hadn't done it before. And I had these two presidential uh, uh, monitor, um, to, uh, what do you call them again? Teleprompters, yes, thank you. I need another coffee. Uh, 
<laughs> they were there, and you know, we had a script. And I went out there, and it's Alan Bradley, and the wind is blowing, and the, it's just, I'm lit up forever all over San Francisco. It was at WonderCon there. And um, a helicopter's supposed to take off. Um, Sam's double is supposed to dive out of the helicopter and land into the midst of the whole thing. None of it worked right. Uh, none of it went up, but <clears throat> somehow it did come off, you know, and they edited it properly. But I, I was <clears throat> watching the, um, here, let me have some water. I'm, I'm going through my speech, I'm going through my speech, and the fans are cheering and booing and yaying and all sorts of things. And, and then it says, I see, it says, and then Alan hears a helicopter. <laughs> I don't hear a helicopter. Whoop. Oh boy, here we go. So I start vamping away and I'm improving away. I'm actually having a great time out there and I'm not hearing them. And they come out and they tell me, it's not coming, it got grounded in Oakland. <clears throat> and then when she comes on stage to tell me that, she turns around and walks off and then suddenly I hear a helicopter and now the guy is flying and now what do we do? So, I mean, it was, and then the guy was supposed to jump because it was too windy. He jumps anyway and takes out all these police barriers on the other side. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> now that I'm revealing all this, and then uh, uh, Garrett had done all his part of the thing over in, in Oakland there by the helicopter where they were taking off. So it all worked out, you know, uh, strangely enough, but it was hair-raising because we had no idea. And uh, upstairs or back in back of that stage, I had the head of Disney. I had Joe, the director. I had... Ed and uh, Ed Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, the writers of the movie as well, and uh, all these other studio heads all watching this, because this was a lot of money. This, they went into millions to stage this event, and, and I'm out there, it's seeming like just winging away because it's not going right. Nothing is working. And um, so it was kind of exciting, you know. And it was huge. It went viral. Boom, it went up, you know. So, um, anyway. Well, thank you very much, and uh, yep. thank you for re Keep up with the Flynn Libs, though. We may need you next year. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for being here, Mr. Boxleitner. I appreciate you. you're the highlight of my con. Um, just one thing. Um, I've noticed that <clears throat> a couple of years since the end of Babylon 5, that Straczynski has reprised the series in Call to Arms and then Lost Tales a couple mm -hmm. years later, mm -hmm. which was very good, by the way. Um, I was wondering, anything in the future for Babylon 5 possibly that you might have either heard about or have been hinted at from Straczynski about the continuation of the series or any further movies maybe in the future? No, I have not. <clears throat> I have not, and I'm being very honest with you. That's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, it is. Um, but like I you know, I'm not going to make it uh, say either way because the last, I said Tron? Why would they make a sequel to Tron? <laughs> you know, what I said about... Uh, uh, Crusade, uh, that's TNT's doing. You know, that was there because remember, they came like the cavalry in the last reel and saved us because, like the series Chuck, <laughs> we were forever going off the air. We never knew, um, uh, and Chuck is still there, right? I mean, it's, it is. Um, uh, anyway, every season when we ended, we never knew if we were coming back. And we were always told it's it, it's over. So, how are we going to do this five year saga if we, you know, like uh, after the fourth season, we did the last episode where I ride off into the into the, over the rim there. 
Um, and then they saved that episode when they picked us up later that summer. TNT came to our rescue. But I think, you know, we had the two-hour movies that came with TNT's uh, sale. And then um, they were going to do Crusade. And we all thought we were going to go on in some other form. That's why I was a little bitter about it, because they talked to me up until almost the time we went off, we finished the season, that uh, hinting, hinting that I was going to have a, a bit to do with that. And I didn't. They had Gary Cole in there, and he tanked it. That felt good to say that. <laughs> it's a cutthroat business, folks. Put that I, on have a, I know where a lot of bodies are buried, and I put a lot of them there. So um, <clears throat> it's competitive, you know? Right, Gary? <laughs> you never sold a series. Anyway, hey, I'm speaking the truth. What the heck? He puts a show on, and he goes off the air. Psst. I have my about five seasons, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, so I don't have anything. If there is, um, we'd have to look at it because, you know, you don't want, I don't want to make the rest of my life repeating things I did in my 40s and 30s. I don't get around like that anymore. Anyway, uh, but that's all, that's all. I mean, you know, to say in some form, maybe he, you know, he's, he's a tricky guy. Maybe he'll come up with something. But um, who knows, you know. Here's my, my big beef, is that we're not in outer space in science fiction on television anymore. And I regret that. Um, with Washington slowly shutting down our space program, the last space walk was yesterday, by the way. We'll never see that again. Um, I'm really uh, disheartened about the future of our space program, and which, and which also is reflected in Hollywood. All the aliens are on Earth now, and it's all about time, you know, uh, zombies and vampires. How boring. My <laughs> God. When will we get through the end of this? Um, anyway, and have some really decent, really intelligent science fiction anymore. Um, it's just not being done. Um, and uh, maybe JMS will come to the rescue in that, because I think he's one of the best science fiction writers ever. So, but we need to go back into outer space. We need to stop. If you remember, I had a speech, and I forget what season it was, but it was about looking, we're looking at our feet, not at the horizon. And that's what we've gone back to in real life, I think. There's a lot of folks at NASA are leaving. They're bitter, angry. Their dreams have been broken. I know several of them. Quitting the astronaut office. Uh, they didn't get their ride, and they trained hard for it and the other scientists who were such big fans of Babylon 5. We had a huge fan base there at NASA. I mean, we were invited to come and speak and talk where they, you know, where space history uh, uh, was created. And um, I'm just sorry for that because I know we're having troubles here on Earth, but you know what? We need to st continually look forward. And out there, out there is where the future of mankind is going to be. You know, uh, someday we may have to leave this old rock. And um, we're not going to get there because we, we should be doing it now. We should be starting that journey now so that we can. Um, but, you know, uh, typical with Washington. <sighs> anyway, I won't get into politics this morning. But I will be starting my campaign. <laughs> no. <laughs> 2012, 2012. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, but thank you. 
Uh, Absolutely. Uh, thank you once again. It's unfortunate that it ended, but I know that all of us yeah. hope that it restarts. Everything again. does, you, you know. You never know. You never Absolutely. know. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that are uh, in the back that may have come in later and didn't hear, we've got a microphone up here. You see the line. If you've got a question, uh, feel free to come up and, and get in line and, and ask your question. We, we, what do we have till 1130, right? Yes. Oh, good. Plenty of more time. Good. <laughs> yes, Only please. Five of, yes. Well, first of all, yes, uh, welcome to Phoenix. And uh, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have said, well, what are we going to watch tonight? And we don't even consider commercial TV anymore. And hey, let's restart Babylon 5. And... Uh, um, and to us, it's just, it's magic. It's transporting. <clears throat> what was it like to work with such a, which what, what seemed like such a great ensemble cast and actually to get to work with a great writer and to actually finish a story arc? What was that like? It well, it was a struggle like to do that. I mean, like I said with the earlier uh, guy there, that um, it, it was... Listen, we all became very much a family. That's why I'm very much mourning... Jeff's passing. Um, we became very, very close friends. See, we were we shot Babylon Five out in a warehouse that was converted into a soundstage, way out in North Hollywood, a place called Sunland, uh, uh, Sun uh, Sun Valley. Pardon me, um, and it's not in uh, Idaho. Uh, <laughs> we were, and so we were not on the Warner Brothers lot. We truly were like out on a space station. We were so away from anything, anyone else in show business or any other shows or anything. So like when guest stars would come, we'd go, so what's new out there? What have you heard? Anything? Uh, you got any news? Um, you know. Uh, so we were very isolated out there. And um, uh, we still even had the sign on the front of the building. And it was an old hot tub factory. It was called Aquatech. And it was still there, so no one knew where the hell we were out there. And um, um, so we became very, very close. Uh, my relationship with Joe Straczynski was sometimes um, rocky. <laughs> I'm not the easiest person in the world, and, but I'm not the worst. I mean, he and I... Uh, it was contentious sometimes. That's what you want it to be. It's creative, and that's what creative people are. When you read about all this stuff that people fight and this and that, yeah. Anybody in your family fight with you? I mean, come on. When you become a family, you're you're you know each other. You're you know, uh, and so day in and day out, fourteen hours a day or whatever it is, and uh, so it, it does. The cast always got along. We never had any prima donnas, other than me. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't. I don't believe I was either. Uh, we we really uh, it was a great ensemble, and uh, when someone like when Jeff came in, um, it was uh, they were welcomed. They were brought in. I was welcomed and brought in. You remember? I, I had never had. The, I always started shows. I had never come in after its first season already, and um, and it was dicey whether I could carry it off. I mean, no one knew, and there, there was a, a reaction. Some of the real diehard fans that the show had that early on. Uh, went Bruce Boxer, what are you, a scarecrow goes out in space, and I had all these comments. You know, we were just getting; it was just now the internet was happening. That show was at the forefront of all of that, so there was all these fan sites and stuff, and they were making comments. They weren't sure. I smiled too much. I wasn't dark and grim, and you know all those things that they wanted me to be. And um, so I had a lot to live up to, and I think Joe gave me a great character, and he started fleshing it out as I was going along. You know, it all wasn't written in stone before all of us walked into it. 
He had it all out there. It was all out on his storyboards and stuff. But he knew how to adapt. He had to adapt to the personalities of the actors. You know, I was sort of a generic... Uh, my name was going to be Stryker or Strider. It was all kinds of... Then we came to Sheridan, which was great. Um, you know, he had this, he has a, uh, this great ability. He would sit and listen and learn and hear us talk at lunch, like Jerry Doyle's famous line. We got in a big political argument about something about capital punishment or something, and Jerry said, I think they ought to have electric bleachers. <laughs> that was Jerry. Still is. And he said, electric bleachers, we could take care of death row just like that, you know? Well, by God, you heard Garibaldi say that line. Because Joe knew a good line when he heard it. And he adapted that right in, you know, to, to, and, you know, and, and that's what is marvelous with this, you know, uh, he adapted me into it. It started to sound more the way I talked, you know. He adapted John Sheridan to Bruce Boxleitner and Bruce Boxleitner to John Sheridan. So, um, and that takes a big talent to do that. But, yeah, we did, we had, uh, there wasn't a lot of fights. I, I have to say, but, but it was probably more with our front office that we were, in conflict with, but that's typical in every business, right? The bosses, and they'd come out, and we'd have our best lunches, by the way, when the head of uh, Warner Distribution, and guys would come out every once, every few months just to come out, and we'd have lobster and stuff like this. No greasy cheeseburgers were out, and uh, things like that that we had for lunch. We ate very well. You could imagine when you saw my waistline getting bigger and bigger. Um, they had to let out that uniform a few months. Uh, we never had time for, um, uh, we couldn't work out or anything. We never had, to, um, you know, I had to do that on the weekends. That was pretty difficult. So anyway, it was life on a space station, you know. You had to watch the calories. <laughs> and, uh, but everybody, you know, when Tracy came in, adapted, and, and um, my dear Claudia left, that was all politics. It was rumors and stuff. It was all politics. It was all um, uh, you know, and I really love Claudia because she was she was the one when I entered the show. She kind of like really took me around and 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 made me feel comfortable. And obviously, the, that uh, those two characters were I thought very well written, uh, Sheridan and uh, Ivanova. God, I haven't said that name in years. Ivanova, Ivanova, uh, Ivanova. And I th I think that reflects in my first episodes in the show in the second season. Uh, she really helped me. Uh, get into the show. She really did. I have to always give Claudia uh, credit for that. And uh, I missed her. And I was angry when she left. I started kicking flats and knocking things down. I almost kicked Kosh right in his fat ass and knocked him to the floor. <laughs> I was angry. I said, don't mess when it's, wor when it's working well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Try to fix it. And that was constantly going on. But it was always outside people doing that. Warner Brothers, you know who never gave a damn about us. You know, by the way, they, they, we were saying at Warner Brothers, you know, you have a great franchise here, like Paramount had with Star Trek. Why don't you do that? Why don't you know, pour some more money into it? We were always on a shoestring budget. And um, they said, why do we need a franchise? We have Looney Tunes already. <laughs> Looney Tunes. That's, that's the range of the imagination there, you know. They could have had a really something and, and you know, uh, just a, it's, I feel that we went off just as as the sort of mainstream American mainstream audience was 
It's kind of discovering us. You know, it was always a sort of a cult favorite. But uh, once we made it on the front, I was telling the kids in the show, I said, when we make the cover of TV Guide, don't think that an insignificant thing in those days. Because I said, that's the most wide, that's the widest uh, subscribed uh, magazine in the country. It's in everybody's home, you know, TV Guide, believe it or not. That was a more important magazine than any, what all those other sci-fi magazines were. That was the most important one, because that went to people that had no idea who we were. And it might have sparked them to go, hmm, I'd like to see this show, you know. And, of course, in their, uh, you know, their incredible intelligence, that's when they took us off the air. So I still think we could have gone on. Um, I will argue with Joe till I'm blue in the face with it. But I thought, right, it just didn't make sense. He could have ended that saga and continued with another one. And he created all those characters, just like Gene Roddenberry did. Huh? Come on. Um, so... Anyway, I'm, I'm repeating myself. But it comes, I just turned 61. You start repeating yourself. <laughs> you know. Well, who am I? Oh, uh, yeah. I thank just you. I say thank you for giving us a little bit of that magic to look back to. And uh, with, all, with everything that went on, it, it was magic. With well, I think there's going to be uh, Blu-ray editions. I think if there is anything to answer that other gentleman, if there's anything new in that, uh, that uh, saga, it's going to be, I think that they're repackaging the whole thing again is supposed to come out. I don't know when, though. Now, that was the only rumor I heard. Um, and uh, didn't, doesn't JMS still go on? Doesn't he go online? Who does that? Anybody? Is he Twitter? I would sure. Right. See, it shows how backwards I am. Um, but I think he's kind of given like hints like he always did. Uh, I think he said there was going to be something special coming along. I think, and I think that's what it is. So, you know, Warner Home Video finally realized um, what they had. But it was gone already. You know, Warner Brothers. I think they had something special and they, you know, they just didn't have the imagination at the time to, um, to follow through. So, anyway. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Mr. Boxleitner, thank yes. you again for joining us out here in the heat in Phoenix. I love it. I do. I feel like I'm, you know, um, with the voice I'm on Zaha Doom. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Nights are gorgeous. Um, <laughs> yeah. With the voice acting you've been doing for Tron Uprising, how different is that from the film acting we've seen you do in Battlestar Galactica? Or, oh, excuse me, I apologize. <gasps> Dirk oh, Benedict. Awful faux pas. I am so sorry. Don't, don't shoot. Don't you know shoot. that disc you were talking about earlier? Battles All right, get him. It stuck. <laughs> yeah, anyway. It, it, yes, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> it's really not a lot of difference. I mean, um, and I, I don't want to reveal because I want you all to, to watch it, but um, the story of this in, in uh, Uprising is different. Uh, but uh, you're basically alone in a booth, and everyone's looking at you through these windows. And um, Charlie, the director, is... Uh, you know, say, try, try thinking of it this way and try doing it maybe this way. And, and you do. It's just, it's just another form of acting. It's like uh, when they had radio. I would have loved to have done radio. I think that one must have been a great time. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's, it's, 
it's the same, and yet, you know, the difference is, yeah, you're not in a costume or anything like that, but Elijah and I will be across from each other, or whomever, and, um, and if Elijah isn't there, then it's, they have a, uh, one of the writers, he's there, and he's doing the other part. So you're interacting with each other, with the scripts, and, um, um, but that, that, that's, a, that's about it. It's, it's still a form of acting, you know, and you're just, you're, you're, you're acting it out there, but you're not actually running and jumping and what have you, and getting in a light cycle and going and things like that. But um, so, but it's funny to watch when when you have to do fight scenes, and so you, they need grunting and groaning and and hits like that. It sounds like somebody with bad food poisoning. You know. Thank you very much for that. Was that, that descriptive enough? <laughs> Thank you very much and enjoy the rest. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hello. I have uh, two questions. Yes, ma'am. One, what was your favorite part that, you know, from doing Tron to Tron Legacy, what was your favorite part of, you know, between those, to have di the differences and the similarities? The paycheck. <laughs> you know, it's a living. Um, I, I don't know that there is a difference to answer your question. I, I um, you know, um, Tron Legacy, I mean, you know, if you'd have seen the size of this thing, we shot this up in Vancouver, and what was wonderful about the film is that, yes, there was a lot of CGI, but there was also a lot of practical sets, too. Uh, Flynn's, um, his place, the, 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 his little laboratory, all dusty and cobwebbed and everything, that was built there. Flynn's arcade was entirely built out in a place called Burnaby, which uh, it basically warehouses in these big fields and forests out there. That, I mean, the difference compared to being on the Disney lot in the first movie where we ran around a lot of black sets and totally black environment to, to this where we actually, they actually had sets and then also the combination of CGI um, it was phenomenal, and, and uh, the size of the production was gigantic. It was a whole city built there, just our trucks and trailers and uh, makeup trailers and, uh, and so on and so on, costume and those things. It looked like a major city out there compared to the little, little uh, gypsy circus we had on the first one, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, the making of it, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question because it's, it's a whole different... Um, Thing. I'm in a booth when I do the, um, the, the animated series, and um, you know, you're out on these huge, expensive sets making a movie. You know, that's my favorite part. It's just, it's, it's a little boy in me going, I'm in the movies, <laughs> you know. <laughs> wow. Ready for my close up CB, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. And, um, but I, I was just amazed at how they recreated because the the, Flynn, uh, the Flynn's Arcade is actually a building in in Culver City, California, but it's so run down and they couldn't use it and couldn't get the permits in the streets and stuff like that. So they just it's rebuilt that entire now. thing, huh? It's a restaurant now. Is that right? When I was visiting, when what do they serve there? I don't know. I didn't go in. I just took I'm going to go. Outside. <laughs> really? Well, the bums. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Made a restaurant out of Flynn's Arcade. Amazing. Well, we made a beautiful, a beautiful recreation of it up there, the interior and uh, exterior. And uh, so, movies, it's magic. Yeah, and uh, yes. my second question is, yes. uh, do you still fight for the users? I always fight for the users. 
You know, what are you going to do? I have to. I'm Tron. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I have a comment and a question. Um, mm -hmm. The comment was I, I thought your uh, comment um, between the suits and the creative talent was right on the, the Always right is. The head. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been a suit myself, too, so I know both sides of this, you know. <laughs> Well, it's always good to be multitasking. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Um, I'm going to ad address you also as General Longstreet. Um, Lord Almighty. Yeah. It's another TNT. Um, let's see. Uh, the uh, 100th anniversary of the... Uh, 150th. We're in the sesquicentennial of the Civil War right now. Yes. Yep. Man, yep. Battle of Picacho Peak. Uh, it, uh, oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, were you approached by anybody in Arizona to um, come out? Because uh, they're making a big thing of that. They're going to have the governor out there and so on and so forth. And I thought anybody. No, nobody yet. would ask me. Okay. I mean, All right. uh, your name to do what? <laughs> <laughs> Ride on a horse there with a saber and go charge or something. What? I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, among the Civil War reenactors. Oh, my God, in this heat? Well. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was bad enough in, uh, in Virginia uh, when we were working. Um, uh, that is coming out. I think Gettysburg recut and everything is is out on Blu-ray now. But uh, I'm going back in late July to a big uh, thing for Warner Home Video again. Boy, they love me. Uh, <laughs> with Robert Duvall and Stephen Lang and Jeff Daniels and all of them. We've got a big uh, thing for the release of uh, Gods and Generals in Blu-ray. And it's coming out and it's four hours and 40 minutes. The movie that Ron intended to make, not what Warner Brothers released. It's two different movies. And, um, you know, for people who like those kind of historical epics, I think uh, it's going to be much better. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that, to see Duvall again and, um, and, uh, and Lang, who was so wonderful in Avatar. I thought he was my favorite part in the thing. Well, I don't know why I relate to those guys. <laughs> Bunch of blue people. Nuke them. What the hell? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of resonated back to Sheridan again. I don't know. He was, I don't know. He was, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Well, I want to thank you for all the performances you did to entertain us. Well, you're, you you're welcome. Listen, I, I've had, you know, I've had a wonderful career. I mean, it's not over yet, uh, but uh, I've had a wonderful, and, and uh, you know, the idea of coming out to Phoenix and talking with all of you and meeting all of you, that's, it's just been nothing but icing on the cake. I've been doing conventions now for since what uh, first season after the first season of Babylon Five that I was on. So I've done second season, and I've enjoyed it. You know, um, it's not just about making money by selling pictures. It's also uh, meeting all of you, uh, and also you know you get. It's so hard to uh, on film. It's different in the theater, but on film you don't get the reaction. There's no feedback. What, what, what is the impact you're making with a role or a television series? And I, I personally like television more. I mean, I love being in movies, but television is where, my, my, where, I, where I come from, you know? That was my dream as a boy, small boy. And to be on TV, well, I've accomplished that, you know? But I've got more to do, if they'll only let me, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's that's what all this is about, because you don't really get to meet the people you're doing it for. You can't reach in the 
you know, out of the tube. And, well, I'm sure the know. suits at Warner Brothers know us all personally and know what we watch. So. Yeah, no, but you know, those faces, <laughs> all those people have changed since Babylon 5. There's been several different people replaced them already. They're all gone. I mean, and, um, you know, I think that's what happened with Tron, to tell you the truth. Um, Joe Kaczynski, <laughs> God, I heard this time and again while I was with that, on that film. Um, and if I hear Michael Sheen going, I was a boy of 11, and my father and I attended our, our cinema in Wales, in the small town in Wales that I was raised. I was 11 years old. I'd say, shut up, will you? <laughs> Academy Award winning, winning mother. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> shut up. Keep reminding me you were 11 years old, you know. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, man. Getting older, it's not for the for sissies, I'll tell you. Uh, well, I'm sure you could still leap on a horse, so. Oh, baby. <laughs> Thank you. You betcha, hey, buddy. Can we get the next <laughs> Okay. Um, who do we have here? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Hi. Laurel. Um, I didn't see Tron when it was first out. My, uh, You're not alone. I made her. Yeah. basically threatened to tie me down to a chair if I didn't watch it first. I think the new uh, Blu-ray looks beautiful. That girl looks all dressed up and beautiful right now, doesn't she? So the question anyway. I have for you yeah. is you spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day being Tron, and then you go home. Is it hard to separate Bruce from Tron or yourself from any of your other characters? Well, the strange thing about it back then, the, the first movie is that I had a a horse ranch at the time and I practiced my frisbees throwing with uh, Sam Schatz our uh, technical advisor out in my horse paddock <laughs> strange combination there um, and I would get home from work and saddle up uh, the, one of my horses and go ride up into the hills and sort of let it all blow out and just get away from it all and then come right back home again so it was a strange combination of um, sort of this futuristic thing to this sort of very old western type of thing. Um, but that was then. I, I, no, I don't have, I, when, to tell you the truth, I mean, um, at the end of the day, you take the wardrobe off and the character goes right with it. You hang it up in the closet and get back into it tomorrow morning, you know? And I'm back into the character, no matter what I'm doing, you know? I, now, I, I have no problem taking, uh, separating myself from the roles I play. You know, I kid around with all of you here, you know, Newcomb Sheridan and all that stuff, but that, that's not me. And, and, uh, and, you know, what you see on the screen is not me. Parts of me, yes, you know, but uh, no, you know, I, I have no problem with that. And I'd leave it at, at, home, at work where it belongs. Uh, I know there are actors that used to, those method actors used to do that, you know, go home and beat the wife. I don't know. I don't do that stuff, you know. Hmm. So then does it become a... I don't want to say a problem, or a bit of an issue when um, you know, someone sees you on the street and goes, there's Tron, and they want you to talk to them as Tron. Like the first question that happened here today? <laughs> I say, I can't really do that. I don't have the tights on. Uh, okay. I'd much rather say, hi, I'm Bruce. How are you? You know? Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, ma'am. Will you be writing any more of the Frontier Earth books? Uh, no. <laughs> I wish I could. 
I, I told the story I was contracted to do, and uh, um, kind of when Babylon 5 went off, I kind of lost the contract to that. Uh, that was basically what remember everybody was writing. William Shatner started all this, remember? And uh, everybody was doing it. And um, maybe, there, you know, I, I, I think I told the story. I mean, I w I'd love to, but I also want to talk to you about something. There's a big movie coming out. It's called Cowboys and Aliens. It looks great, but it looks very similar to a book that came out in 1998. I noticed before that. the graphic novel, I believe. I have a copy of that novel. And I'm looking, there's this mysterious character who wakes up out in the desert, and uh, he's not from this planet, and uh, where the cowboys are fighting and the Indians are combined fighting the aliens and I'm going hmm hmm <laughs> well that's Hollywood <laughs> is there ever an original idea anywhere mine wasn't original I'm sure I, you know but uh, anyway um, I would love to do another book and maybe you know I'm still I still have that I mean I was always intending to try to find a good screenwriter because there is a difference screenwriting and and uh, writing a novel. Some can do it, some can't. A lot of them can't. And um, I still want to try to make that as a TV series. I've had it all these years, and maybe with the success of Cowboys and Aliens, I can come and rip them off. <laughs> sort of back at you, you know? Um, I did have the, uh, thank you, I, I did have the uh, rights and everything with uh, Sam Raimi's uh, TV productions and um, nothing's ever really come of it. I have shopped it around the town. I had a showrunner. I had everything in place. Um, so, you know, maybe there is still something. I would not be in it or I'd be in some other kind of role if I did act in it. But I, that's something I wanted to produce and perhaps direct. Because I do have that ambition like most actors that maybe, you know, in my waning years as an actor, you know, could be now. <laughs> uh, I could get it. I, well, it happens, you know, it happens. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. Uh, and you've got to be realistic about that. Uh, you know, uh, Robbie McNeil, I mean, uh, he's got this great career as a director now. And that was a choice on his. He, he, has no, he was saying yesterday he didn't really feel like getting in front of the camera again. But you never know. But uh, I would love to maybe direct. I would, that, that's what I would love to direct since it's my story. I know it. You know, so who knows? But I'm, I'm looking forward to that movie, Cowboys and Aliens. It looks like it's going to be good. And Olivia, my sweet Olivia Wilde, she is the greatest, by the way. She is the, she's just a regular, uh, she's just so fun and such a genuine down-to-earth character, and she's doing so well. I'm so proud of her. I really am. So, anyway. Got time for just a couple more questions. Yeah. Boy, I talk a lot, don't I? <laughs> hello, hello. I'll make this short so other people can, you know, get in behind right. behind me. Yeah. Uh, I'm the one that's doing all the talking here. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. All my friends and I love B5. I remember watching it when I was seven or eight with my parents. You know, good memories. And, uh, Thank you, Michael Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, fantastic sci-fi show. And I'm good. Ask, Even uh, at eight, you understood it and you got it? I oh, mean, I just remember the big guys in the suits and, you know. That's cool. Yeah, that's the way my kids were. And now they're kind of looking at it. My older sons are looking at it now going, Dad, it was kind of a cool show. Absolutely. Said, yeah. So, <laughs> I was just going to ask you, we all have these, my friends and I all have different favorite moments from the show, mm -hmm. especially about John Newcomb Sheridan. We all love <laughs> that character. I was wondering, was there any particular character-defining moment you liked for, you know, uh, Commander Sheridan? Anything that really stuck out in your head? 
Uh, a moment? Oh, you know, like uh, <clears throat> when you're facing off against the Inquisitor or you're in the... You're yeah, in I mean, in court. that, that was... See, I got to really step out of, uh, you know, the, the uniform and uh, the command and control set and those kind of things where I spent the majority of that part, you know. I always liked the scenes that went on in my in Sheridan's personal quarters, too. I was, I've been thinking more about it now, you know, where he got to unbutton the collar and take the jacket off and kind of let his hair down a little bit about certain things. Um, what? The socks, yes. yes that's it. People remember the damnedest things. Uh, I mean, you know how many teddy bears I got sent to me? And I threw them all away. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many moments. I wish I could narrow it down to one. I mean, so many beautiful moments in it. This, the scenes between Mira and I. I always enjoyed wor working with Mira. And um, I just talked to her the other day. She's going back to Croatia to do a, a, a TV series, she tells me. And I'm so happy for her. I think um, there uh, wasn't enough done with her on Lost. I thought she was a very compelling character. And I... I you know, oh, that's TV. Anyway, I thought our stuff was really good, uh, some of our scenes. And so, I, I, I don't know, I, I, it's hard to narrow down. It's a, there's a lot of material there, you yeah, know. I, I figured that might be the case, but yeah, my previous yeah. question was apparently already so, answered. So, so many beautiful moments that we got to do as actors, and, and uh, I'll always treasure it. Well, thank so, you very much. You're it's welcome. Pleasure you're welcome. to see you in person. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. We've got time for this one last question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. In the kilt, no less. Uh, you mentioned earlier about how you were doing westerns and things in the 70s. Um, so yeah. you've obviously had a, a long, checkered, successful career. What, in your mind, is the, the most important quality for an actor to have, to have a successful career? I mean, not everyone, obviously, is going to be like you know, a leading man, but to have a good... Well, not everyone's going to be an A-list star, you know? I mean... Um you know, it's uh, Hollywood has a caste system, like in India. <laughs> and uh, you know, I and I'm I'm fine with it. I never I never crashed into the A list, probably not even the B list. I don't know, maybe. Uh, and you're always made well aware of that. You have to have a very thick skin. You have to be able to take uh, a lot of criticism. Um, I want to tell you what it's like for an actor to walk through a door. I, there was a period through the 80s and um, uh, through the, most of the 80s, I never had to audition again. I, I, you know, offers came to me. Then that started to, to leave sort of after Babylon 5. Uh, I had to go and audition again. Now, Tron, I, uh, Tron Legacy, I did not have to. That was, <laughs> that was wonderful. I mean, uh, that was uh, the head of Disney and Joe Kaczynski called me and asked me to please be in it. I mean, wow. What a, what a tremendous honor that was. Um, but uh, you walk in and you know that in about three seconds' time they've either decided you're right for the role or not. I've, been, I've auditioned actors. I know the horror on the, you know, you stand there at the door and they say, okay, you can go in now. And uh, generally, it's a couple people with a little camera on a tripod, and you're doing it to some script reader that's just giving you absolutely nothing, you know. And it's back at that again. It's like 
God, I'm starting over again? I mean, it's just weird. It's just, that's the phases of being an actor, a working actor. It's all I ever aspired to be, by the way. I didn't want to be a big movie star. I didn't want to be the, I wanted to be one of those guys like uh, Leslie Nielsen and guys that I grew up watching on television. Leslie played my father on Hawaii Five-0. I mean, he was a great, funny guy. I was so shocked by him. I thought he was always a stern, serious fellow. These were before the Naked Gun movies and things like that. Um, and uh, find out what a cut-up, funny guy he was. But those are the kind of guys I wanted to be, uh, you know, because I wanted to do TV series, and I got to do it, you know. But but you you take a lot of punishment on the way, and you've got to be strong enough to withstand that. Some people can't. In Hollywood, the bus unloads every day, and then around down the street and around in back alley, they're loading up again <laughs> to take them home because they couldn't cut it. It's a tough place. So, thank you. you're welcome. Thanks very much. I want to thank Bruce Boxleitner for being here. Thank you guys for coming. All Enjoy right. the rest of the con. See you all out there. Thank you. I am Gnomewise. I am Gunora. I am Iolite. I am Dexa. I am Grail. And I am versus you. I am versus you. And I'm versus you. I am versus you. And I'm versus you. Casually Hardcore. Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT, only on vtwproductions.com.